Lori and I had the honor last night of being part of a brand new home group that's just starting. And uh, we were able to worship together. It was so good to see human faces again, to be able to laugh together and be together in, in that home environment. But what really struck me was the testimonies that people were giving of encounters that they had, opportunities that they had. Um, last week's sermon, if you haven't heard it, Lori, uh, my wife, preached an incredible message. But there was a phrase, I don't even know if it was in her notes, but she said that right now, everything that we are all going through, this is a sacred season. This is a time when people are under stress, they're facing new challenges and situations, and people can be very tense, people can be frustrated or overwhelmed, but the reality is at the same time, people are more in touch with their need, and in some ways they're more desperate. And so at the home group, I heard stories about a lady talking to her taxi driver and a connection that they made, a lady who has a family member who was in the hospital who's never been open before, and all of a sudden they want to talk about what life is really about and what a loving relationship with God could actually look like. And another lady even talked about a, a student who was getting involved in a game that was becoming um, a very bad habit and trying to involve other kids in it, and she was able to expressed the concern with the child's mother, and the mother looked it up and realized that, wow, this is not going to be healthy or constructive for my child. And so as I listened to everybody, I realized, man, they're all like my heroes. They are making a difference in other people's lives. They're not doing it in a religious way. They're just standing in love. They're taking advantage of this sacred season and bringing health and hope and life into the lives of those that they serve and those that they have connections with. And so for quite a long time now, there's been a, a phrase running through the church that we really want to become more the church outside of the walls. And there are some cliche ways we can think of that, but I want to broaden the definition. Um, you know, if we're meeting in person or you're here in a live stream, we're only going to do this for an hour and 15 minutes or so. And whoa, and I'm grateful. I, I, I want to gather. I want Holy Spirit-empowered meetings. But that's such a small part of my week. The opportunities that are continually before us to encourage other people, to build other people up, to strengthen people, to bring hope for people. I want to see a church that is empowered to be effective. 24-7. And so I've been asking myself, what is it that I really want to give the rest of my life to? What can I continually and joyfully purpose to invest in with my life? And um, as I prayed around that now for quite a while, um, and I'll be speaking more just personally for me, but I think it's relevant for all, really. The thing that excites me, motivates me, that I'm willing to generously give myself to for the rest of my life is really seeing people activated to be who they're created to be, to walk in the fullness of the life that Jesus died for them to have, that abundant life that he wants all of us 
the freedom that we can walk in, the influence we can have in the lives of others, and to be intentional about investing in that and sowing into that and stepping out in that is just an exciting adventure. It's uh, honestly, there's no reason that we should not all be lifelong learners. There's an opportunity for the rest of time to grow into the image of God that is created already inside of us. <clears throat> and so um, I debated about this message, actually. I had a whole other sermon all worked up. You'll, have to, you'll hear it sometime, I'm sure. It was very, very good. But as I spent time in the Lord and I was just really getting in prayer and in worship, uh, this is what really I realized I wanted to share. And I, I've recently taught on this. So I don't often get day-old bread but I'm believing God can make this day old bread fresh again. <laughs> and so uh, I, I really want to share what I believe the reason that we gather, the purpose of the church, what this is all about. I, I realized in my personality, uh, I took a strengths finders inventory, which is actually based in science. I mean, it's got reliability and predictability, and they talk about different values that people have and gifts that they have and they operate in and uh there were two for me that really stood out one of my first and highest gift is called woo which means winning others over that you want to inspire you want to encourage you want to connect with you want to bring life you want to bring joy and honestly it, it does define from childhood i mean for me still uh, uh over the top experience is anytime i get uh laughter enjoy and a clean lens so i can speak to you um, and you'll see my uh, complexion even better was was it bad <laughs> okay so um so woo was my top one my second one was context and for those of you who know me it's no secret i love history and people who operate out of a motivation of context you want to understand what you're doing why you're doing it and for many people the best way you can understand the present and even the future is to understand what's happened in the past and to look at that foundation so it can become a guideline a pathway for you into your current circumstances and so from that i've been thinking about you know the purpose of the church why we gather i've been thinking about what it is i would want to just generously give my life to and the best expression of it that I know of is Ephesians chapter 4, 11 through 13. And I've been getting particular insight in seven different aspects of this verse. So we're just going to walk through it. And, uh, and I believe there are parts of this that apply to people who are part of the church, part of our church, part of the, the big church. And there, it applies to people that aren't, have no relationship with the Lord, no awareness of God's kingdom, and haven't even come into salvation yet. This affects us all. Um, so let me turn to the beginning. Speaking of context, um, I was reading earlier today and realized that there's even a context to this verse that's important to not skip over. So Ephesians 4, um, it, it's talking about, and let me just start here talking about Jesus said he who descended is also the one who also ascended far above all the heavens 
that he might fulfill all things. Jesus has been given all authority in heaven and earth. Jesus is the radiance and the perfect expression of the Father heart of God to all of us. But Jesus, having descended and also ascended, now he is um, working that he might fulfill all things. And in that mission of fulfilling God's purposes on the earth, bringing the kingdom of heaven here on earth as it is in heaven, it says in verse 11, and he, Jesus, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure and stature of the fullness of Christ. So Father, we thank you that you were unwilling to let your children be estranged. You wanted to not have sin come between us and you any longer. And you had a perfect, a magnificent plan to send your son to die on our behalf, to pay that final one-time price for all of our sin that we can be reconciled again to your extravagant, generous Father's heart. And Jesus, in accomplishing that mission, in wanting to fulfill all things, you empower us with different gifts, with different callings, and Lord, you are the head of the church. You are the head of every apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher. You're the head of all. And you have given all of those offices and gifts for an amazing mission that we are all a part of. So give us understanding and insight and revelation of our place in, in all of this. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, you know, the church goes through a lot of different seasons. There have been movements of healing ministries. There have been movements of prophetic ministry. Um, there have been uh, all kinds of uh, different movements in evangelism. Billy Graham and what he accomplished. Rick Joyner and, and what he did for bringing understanding to prophetic ministry in the church. Uh, and over the last quite a few years now, there's been a movement concerning the five-fold ministry. Uh, our friend Harold Eberly wrote a book years ago called The Complete Wineskin that describes the motivations, the experiences, the language of people who have different um, callings in, in these different expressions. And so for me, the Lord establishing his church, accomplishing his mission on the earth, He's given these five areas because of their need and their impact. And so, you know, apostolic ministry, people who want to impact their culture, do a greater work, get other anointings and giftings working in harmony around a common purpose, whether it's establishing family or some other area of ministry that is essential in a region, in a nation, uh, in the world. You know, God empowers some people with that kind of vision and uh, ability and humility to gather other gifts and anointings. And God empowers some people to speak the words of truth uh, that 
can establish God's purposes on the earth. He doesn't do anything without revealing it to his prophets first. And man, there are some wild and wooly, uh, crazy people out there who have such a passion and burn for the lost that when they speak, my heart burns for the lost. And they're willing to pay whatever price to see people come into healing and salvation in their lives. And then there are pastor shepherds, which I realized for many years has been my primary gift of just wanting to see people gathered together and included and uh, healed and activated and growing and healthy and and you're willing to just lay down your life to do that. And then there are other people who have such a tremendous ability to read the Word of God and to bring life and light and application, revelation to it in a way that helps you become connected to the Lord through the revelation of the Word where you're grounded on a solid foundation. And I think all of us can benefit from all five of these offices, obviously. But I think most of us in different seasons of our life will resonate with different ones. I've gone through seasons of being very passionate about evangelism. I've gone through seasons of absolutely wanting to grow in the prophetic and speak words that actually impregnate other people with God's purposes. I mean, I've, I, I love solid teaching. All of these things we can all benefit from. I walked through a season of apostolic ministry with marriage where I oversaw a federal grant for the Portland metro area so and, and worked with m- numerous churches in establishing effective marriage ministries. So, you know, we all can benefit. And when you come into alignment with somebody who's functioning in an area that you have a passion for, then you become activated. You can become empowered in a way to really fulfill your destiny. And so I... Uh, I want to honor the fivefold. I want to continue for people that I know to invite them in, to have their influence, activate other folks. But the biggest part for me, all of those offices, if you're functioning in a seasoned, mature, confirmed way, a blessing to the church, a gift from the Lord himself to the body of Christ, the whole reason you're there is not to be served, but it's to serve. It's so clear that you're called to equip to bring tools, to come underneath, to see others established, to lift others up into their purposes, into effectiveness in their life, however you need to do it. And it's creative and it takes a dependence on the Lord. It takes discernment daily to continue to inspire people to walk in the fullness of who they're called to be. And so, you know, for me, if our head and our heart are in the right place, again, the church it's an upside-down pyramid. The higher you go, the lower you're going to go. The more authority you get, the more you're going to want to come underneath others and use that authority to see it functioning according to this pattern, according to this model. And if you don't have the gift of service yet um, and the grace of just serving others and seeing their lives blessed and the excitement that comes into that, then honestly, it in some ways, it almost can be a fake it till you make it. Go out there and be about somebody else more than you're about yourself. Let the Lord begin to establish a foundation of humility and of servanthood in you where you actually can begin to find the excitement of seeing other people succeed. Um, and so all of those offices exist for the equipping and the establishing of others. But what are you equipping them for? It's for the work of ministry. 
So isn't that an interesting cycle? God has empowered you. God has confirmed a calling on your life so that you can equip others for serving others, for them becoming established in empowered service to others. And so if you can't see the pattern that Jesus came to serve and to not be served, and even people who have the highest offices, if you will, in the church are there to serve, but they're there to serve, to teach and train and equip others to serve effectively. And so what I've been realizing in this season of COVID, in this season of transition, that I want to find pathways for people to serve. I want to begin in practical ways. This is all in some ways theoretical. This is foundational. Again, I need context. But now, seeing what the pantry has done and the people who've been able to donate, the people who've been able to come and serve and set up and tear down and hand out and pray for people, that little area of service has actually engaged people's hearts in a practical way and connected them with other people in an act of love and an act of service that is powerful. And I believe in these next few weeks and months, we're gonna continue to find ways to help people begin to lean into the Lord and to sense his heart for others and then to step out in risk in areas of empowered service. And so I'm excited to figure out what that is. When you can connect somebody with a desire with a passion that they already have. And then you can connect it to the kingdom of God. You can understand the context in which why they're doing what they're doing and the way the Holy Spirit can get inside of that and go beyond common sense and human strength and get supernatural strength and supernatural sense of what's going on. Then inspiration is unavoidable. People will glow in the things that they do for others. And it's not performance. It's not just works, it's the heart of Jesus coming with compassion to serve others and to see them get their breakthrough. And what could be more exciting than that? And so when I think about wanting to activate the church, activate other believers and other people into serving in that kind of way, it reminds me of my early career and uh, for several years I was a professional photographer it was my first job out of high school, actually. I, I worked for Photographic Corporation of America. And man, it sounds glamorous, but it wasn't. I was in Kmart, I was in Zodis, I was doing baby pictures 10 hours a day. It was physically grueling, it was emotionally draining. Um, but it was challenging work, and as I got better at it, eventually I became a trainer. And I'm speaking in the context of the church right now as I uh, began to train other photographers, our program was about two weeks long. There was a lot to learn, there was a lot. I know I've recently shared this, but I wanna fit it in here again. Uh, you know, there's a lot to learn about film, about your equipment, your cameras, your posing, and interacting with people, and, and the different you know, things, the lighting that's involved. So people would be in the classroom, and we'd be studying and doing our thing, and as part of their training program, after two weeks, they would actually go out on a shoot and then a whole 10-day, 10-hour shoot, um, they would do one sitting. They would sit with one family, pose the kids, pose the couple, pose the whole family, and then they would come back to the classroom after that shoot. And I will remember the rest of my life, everybody who got back from actually doing it 
they were so committed to actually learning. They would say, hold on, slow down. They'd be taking notes, they'd be writing it down, they'd be double-checking things. Why? Because they knew they were going to apply what we were talking about. And so, again, in this sacred season, classroom Christianity, just learning more and more knowledge without a commitment and a heart to walk out in it, if people aren't activated, then they're not going to be able to use the tools that they're being equipped with. They're just going to gather more and more tools and have to put it in public storage because they're not getting used. So, uh, what's that? Public, Lori likes public storage. So, um, so we want to empower others. We want to uh, get them to connect with the empowerment that comes through the Holy Spirit for the ways they're going to be serving, the opportunities that we heard about at the home group last night. And all of this is done with a very specific purpose, and that is for, in this verse, the building up of the body of Christ, of people who are in a loving relationship with God, who are learning to love him with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love their neighbor as their self. And as you love your neighbor, you're going to be affecting their lives, influencing their lives. This isn't another message about evangelism. This is a message about a normal Christian life and really being a blessing, speaking a blessing and, and fulfilling your destiny and walking here on earth as a loved son and daughter. And so to build up the body of Christ, to grow the body, to overtake the world with people who are not religious, but who are loving and who are growing, that is for the rest of our lives. That is for um, until Jesus returns, that is our mission, is to continue to influence and affect as people as much as possible. And, by the way, as many people as possible. You know, um, there's just, there's no limit to what we can do. And as the body is getting built up, there are several things that are going to happen. As we begin to grow together, gather together, experience God's presence and spirit together, we begin to become more unified. We begin to think the same way because we're reading the same word, the Holy Spirit's giving us the same revelation, and we're not becoming clones of each other. Each one is going to be unique. Each one is going to have a different area of emphasis and of passion, and yet we're unified in our commitment to come under the authority of Jesus to let him be the head of our lives and the head of his church. And I love, again, coming into unity of faith. When what you say you believe, you become fully united with. You have agreement uh, in your heart with the things that you've read, that you believe, and you believe them so much they affect what you do. Um, I'll share this story one time. I heard Steve Backlund share this. Uh, they, when they were pastoring a church in the upper desert, uh, Bill Johnson came and spoke at their church. And he wasn't really Bill Johnson yet. He wasn't quite famous. But at the end of the service, everybody was so deeply moved, so impacted, just, oh, thank you. What, what, I'll never be the same. What revelation you gave. And, and Steve and uh, Wendy were actually kind of upset. It's like, wait, Bill didn't say anything that we haven't been saying the last several months, the last several years. We taught almost some of the exact messages. And so they asked, so what's the difference? How come people 
can receive from Bill a message that I've already given and they didn't receive from me. And I believe it was Wendy. She, uh, she just heard in her spirit the Lord say, well, he has unity of agreement with his beliefs. He's walked in what he says he believes. He's seen it work. It's become manifest. He's convinced. So he's, because he's fully convinced when he shares it, others become convinced as well. Your maturity, the authority you're walking in, the influence you have actually becomes imparted when you come into a place of unity of faith. And so we're all continually growing. I have a dear friend who is starting to obsess on Bill Johnson the way that I have. And so he's been listening to some of his teachings. And as we were having lunch, I, I became uh, delighted, actually, because I realized that I have also processed a lot of that material. I have uh, embraced it. I've tried to walk in it. I've got growing unity of faith with many of the principles that come out of the Word that have been given illumination to me, uh, partly through Bill's ministry. And I realized my dear friend is going through the same thing. So he was sharing things with me that I've heard before that I already agree with. And then I realized, oh my goodness, look, we're listening to the similar material and we're both becoming more united because we're coming into agreement around a common understanding that we're both wanting to walk in and, and walk in faith concerning. So that's part of building up of the body in that unity of faith but then the verse continues to say, and the knowledge of the Son of God. And this for me is, I have a new insight, a new revelation concerning this. The knowledge of God isn't knowing about Him. It's not doing a biography study on the life of Christ. It's actually personally knowing Him. Knowing the tone of His voice, walking with Him, hearing that still small voice and be coming into agreement and unity and obedience to those things. And also, like Jesus said, it's not about the activity that we're doing. You know, the, the, the verse about people who are prophesying and doing all these things, they said, I never knew you. So coming into the knowledge of the Son of God is that mutual, I've come to know you and you've come to know me. Um, I had an experience at a conference once where the Lord, first time in my life, he said, I love you, son. And it overwhelmed me. I had never heard him call me son before. Um, I knew it was him. It went deep into this place in my heart that it hadn't been able to go into before. But you know, all I could do was then become dissolved in worship. And all I could do is, Father, I love you. And, and then his response, I love you, son. I love you, dad. I love you, son. I love you, dad. Do you know how much he wants to do that for you today? Do you know that that's the place where you become washed in your true identity, where you find secure, permanent, perfect, unconditional love? And how are you going to be able to love others if you haven't received that I love you, Dad, I love you, Son, oneness, that knowing of Jesus as you continue to walk in this roadmap of Ephesians 4? And by the way, um, when I opened today and I talked about staying fresher longer, uh, I love that phrase that it's the priest's responsibility to maintain the fire on the altar. How do you stir up your love? How do you stir up your devotion? How do you not just do things because of duty, but out of an overflow of compassion, an overflow of gratitude? Um, 
I don't have the full roadmap, but you better become an expert. If we're going to walk in these things, we have to know on our good days and our bad days the secret place with the Lord. We need to know how David strengthened himself in the Lord and get really good, moment by moment good, at stirring up that fire. And I will say, probably Psalms 100 verse 3 is the closest uh, initial roadmap that we have that we enter his gates with thanksgiving just say thank you thank you for the challenge thank you for the disappointment thank you for the blessing thank you for the breakthrough thankfulness ushers in an ability to get into god's presence and go through the gate and then you begin to praise you say who he is and you're thankful but you're acknowledging who he is and in that praise you enter his courts you begin to get closer to where he is and you want to keep the fire burning declaring who he is and praising him for who he is and what he has done and being thankful for the good and bad things in your life because you're so assured that he works all things together for your good that all you can do is say thankful and you can keep your, your heart burning on your bad days. And it's a fight. I've been in a fight. And I don't always want to. There are times that I want to have a pity party. And so I still torment myself for an hour, for a day, for however long. It depends on the circumstances. But I know where I need to go. I know I need to get back into that place of knowing Him and not being self-focused and going down the, the toilet of self-pity but going back into the awareness of him and my relationship with him and his purposes for my circumstances. And then ultimately, again, activating other people, um, inspiring them in such a way that they're going through all of these areas. They're equipped, they're empowered to serve. They're becoming part of a family and the building up of the body. They're unified in their beliefs and faith and the fullness of walking in it and ultimately they're acknowledging and experiencing oneness with jesus they're knowing him they're hearing his voice he's hearing their voice as they cry out in desperation at times when they're overwhelmed and all of that leads to maturity all of that leads to the transformation of our lives into the fullness of the measure of who jesus is and he's become uniquely expressed through us and through, yes, our activity, yes, through our acts of service, but also through the motivation for doing them because of our transformed heart. We have been so loved that love compels us to love the way that he loves. And so I share all of this as the, the why of the adventure that we're on, the journey that we're all in, we're um, growing together in these kinds of ways. And there's much more to talk about in terms of how we actually now do this, how we measure this, how we uh, increase, what are those pathways of service? How do we experience Him? And so for me, the how for abiding place that's very unique, and I'm not going to do, uh, you know, I'm coming to the end of this message, so I won't be able to give it all to you, but how we do it is first and foremost by realizing in everything that we do, the best that we can do is host his presence. Learn to be present in the moment that you're in. Don't become self 
defensive or protective. Don't get distracted. Just be present. Who's this person right in front of me? And as we learn to be present in our circumstances, we have practiced learning to be present with the Lord. And so when we go to a worship service, when we listen to the word, when we're interacting with someone at Winco, when our neighbor finally has a, a, a moment where they're asking a question, to not just get through it and then go on with your day, but to be present and then say, Lord, what are you doing in this? In all that we do, in our worship services, we just want to host God's presence. We don't want to tell him what to do. We want to respond to what he is doing. We want to welcome him and say, we trust you and we love you and there's no better place than when you're with us. And so we gather and we increasingly experience the manifest presence of God and nothing transforms people's lives more than an encounter. Jesus is the biggest distraction of all. He shows up and the radiance, the glory, the peace, the joy, doesn't matter. You can go for hours and just be with him because he is the greatest distraction that there is. And as we begin to host his presence, ultimately, you know, that is, that's where our power comes from. Our empowerment really comes from his presence, from the anointing of his spirit. But in that place of encounter, we find our identity. That's where we become those truly accepted, mature, beloved sons and daughters of God. And when you begin to grow in that, how could you not want that for other people? Isn't that the most generous gift you could give anyone else to not have circumstances or individuals ever rob you of your identity, your dignity, your self-respect, your joy, your, your worth? Your significance is found not in what you do, but in who you are, of course. And so being part of this great mission of we were doing this for the building up of the body by moving people more into that identity as sons and daughters. And as we do that, the third area for me that I believe uh, I'm called to and much of our community is called to is reconciling other people back to the Father. And that's building up the body of Christ. That's helping others grow into that identity. So we have our power is in God's presence. Our identity is in being his sons and daughters. But our purpose is really to see the world impacted because of what the Lord has done in our lives individually. And to stir that up continually, to remain activated, to not just be passive spectators, but to become engaged warriors who are stepping out in risk in God's presence, releasing others into their identity as well. So Father, I just thank you for me. I want to get so clear in what my purpose is, in where uh, I fit in your church, what uh, those giftings are, what that empowerment is, what my identity truly is, and God even with my purpose. And as I do that, I so want to see others come into that same area of activation, that same area of empowerment, that same area, God, of identity, that same area of purpose, of making a difference in our uh, families, in our neighborhoods, in our city, in our nation. We are the ones who speak light and life and hope because you are the perfect expression of love and of kindness of truth and of justice. Everything that's good in this world actually emanates from you. 
And so help us stay connected to you as our source. Help us grow to be more like your son every day. Help us purpose to continually be in Holy Spirit-empowered meetings. In fact, God, ho, this, I have faith right now to declare over each person listening and myself that every encounter we have can be a Holy Spirit-empowered meeting. I don't want to do it once a week. I don't want to do it once a day. God, I want to come to a place where every encounter I have with people, I'm connected with the love of Jesus in a way that makes that a Holy Spirit-empowered meeting. Give us a lifestyle of living in your presence, God, and changing the world because of who you are. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all.